0: Um, so our physical location is on the lands of the Semi Stolo and Quantum peoples, and for this we are very grateful. Um, welcome to the Bridge Church on Zoom. If you don't know where you are, and you're somewhere else um, in, the, in the world, then uh, look up where you live and see if, if it's on this native-land.ca. It's fascinating. I'm going to transition to myself to do a Lectio. <laughs> Not a Lectio today, I'm going to do a Visio. Um, so... A Visio Divina sets our interior stage for connection with our creator. Um, it encourages us with the practice of viewing all of life through a sacred lens, uncovering the messages hidden within creation. All of life then can become a hallowed ground. Richard Raw in The Universal Christ says, authentic God experience always expands your seeing and never constricts it. In God, you do not include less and less. You always see more and more, which is cool. So authentic God experience always expands your seeing and never contracts it. In God, you do not include less and less. You always see and love more and more. So first step. Maybe just close your eyes and relax for a second. I don't know uh, how your morning's been or you might be fully relaxed already, but if you aren't, maybe just take a moment. Just take a moment just to breathe in and breathe out and just center yourself in. This morning, I'm gonna show you a photograph. And before I do, um, I just want, when it flashes up, um, just look at the whole picture. Notice the shapes, the colors, the lighting. Notice the details in the foreground. There's not much background in this, but there's a little bit. And then once you've visually looked over the whole photograph, just note what draws your attention because I think that's probably God calling you to a treasure that's meant just for you. So here's the photo. So just look at the whole picture. Just let your eye travel around the whole thing. Notice the detail in the foreground, the background. Look at the colors, the lights. Notice the details and then just see what is drawing your attention. Anybody who's struggling to see that, it's a picture of blackberries. Um, some of them are ripe. Some of them are on the way to being ripe. And in the distance, in the in the blur in the background, there's even blossom. And it's all the leaves and then the dark, dark behind of the shadow of the bush. Okay, so if you have a part that's drawn your attention, just think about that particular little bit, why do you think God might have drawn your attention to that particular part of the image? Is there a message that pertains to your life today? You can maybe pop that in the chat. Um, Eden's just said, I love seeing everything from the blossoms to the ripe berries. It's not all happening at once. There's a process. Is there an invitation in that image? The invitation for me is go pick some. I feel an apple and blackberry pie coming on. Does it bring up memories for you? Is there a call in it? Lando says, I love this because this morning I enjoyed some fresh blackberries from the backyard. And this picture is what I experienced. I was drawn to the ripest berries. Totally. And then just allow all those thoughts, those memories and things just to kind of sink into your heart. Is there a word that describes how you feel on the inside as you embrace the feelings or the memories? I just uh, have the word provision in that, you know, we, we look at those plants as weeds, but they provide for us, for the animals, for the birds. There is just bounty in the natural world and provision. So turning that into a prayer, God, I say thank you for your provision for us. Thank you that you've provided us with a beautiful world, with provision, with food, with life. And uh, even in the places that seem like weeds and um, stuff that we wouldn't intend to be there, that there is bounty and provision in that. So thank you, God, for your presence with us, for your presence within creation, for your provision in all of it. Amen. Let's stop that share. All right. That's cool. I, uh, fun. Right. So, um, transitioning again to communion.
1: Karen. Good morning, everybody. Um, if you can have your elements ready, we'll just, uh, journey through communion together this morning. Though creation sometimes weeps, we wait lovingly for you, God, for you created the heavens, earth, and all that is in them. You cast sunbeams, open flowers, and feed insects. You are beyond the galaxies, under the oceans, and inside each grain of wheat. You could sustain all of your creation, but you won't do that without us. You choose not to do that without us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the wonders of creation, for your great trust in us.
0: Though humanity sometimes weeps, we wait lovingly for you, God. For you smiled on an outcasted Hagar, blessing her descendants. You guided the doubtful Israelites, leading them to freedom. You spoke through the judges and the prophets, providing words of wisdom. You lived among us as a teacher, healer, and friend, giving us a good road to follow. You could have made us self-sustaining, but you chose not to because your love sustains us. Thank you for the worldwide fellowship of followers of Jesus who faithfully attempt to share your love with all of creation.
1: In Jesus, you provide us all that we need for each day. His words comfort the weary. His actions challenge the contented. His touch heals the sick. His presence
0: feeds the deepest hunger in our souls. In Jesus... And in his feast, you provide for us the sustenance we need to respond to the cries of creation. The bread of life nourishes our bodies. The cup of blessings revives our souls. The gathered community strengthens our growing faith. Though the church sometimes weeps, we wait lovingly for you, God. For centuries, Christians of different customs have gathered to commune with you and each other through the sharing of this feast. In this meal of bread and wine, you have been with them just as you are with us now. And so we join with our siblings around the world by remembering that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, blessed it and broke it and shared it with his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together.
1: After supper, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. God, we remember and give thanks for your son. And we ask that you bless and pour your spirit on these simple things like bread and wine. Make this broken bread whole in our taking. May this cup overflow in our
0: sharing. With these elements, Jesus, I ask that you would nourish and sustain us. You are our way, our truth and our life, our creator, our redeemer and our sustainer. Amen. Amen. Can
1: I pray for Eden? you want to? Yeah. All right. Okay, so Eden, thank you for uh, all that you've prepared ahead for us to hear this morning. And um, I'd love to pray for you now and say, Father God, thank you for Eden. Thank you for who she is and for how much you love her. We thank you. We love her too. And I ask God that for all that she's prepared to share with us this morning, you would breathe your life into all of her words and let the truth of your love sink even deeper into our hearts, minds, souls and bodies. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. I'm going to start by reading one of the passages from the lectionary this morning, and that's from Matthew 4, and it's... um. The story of Jesus in the desert facing temptation. So, starting Matthew 4, um, verse 1. Then the Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Jesus ate nothing for 40 days and nights. And after this, he was very hungry. The devil came to Jesus to tempt him. And the devil said, If you are the son of God, tell these rocks to become bread. Jesus answered, It's written in the scriptures. A person does not live only by eating bread, but a person lives by everything the Lord says. Then the devil led Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem. He put Jesus on a very high place of the temple. And the devil said, If you are the son of God, jump off. It's written in the scriptures. He has. (laughs) There we go. He has put his angels in charge of you. They will catch you with their hands, and you will not hit your foot on a rock. Jesus answered him. It also says in the scriptures do not test the Lord your God. Then the devil led Jesus to the top of a very high mountain. He showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all the great things that are in those kingdoms. The devil said, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all of these things. And Jesus said to the devil, go away from me, Satan. It is written in the scriptures, you must worship the Lord your God, serve only him. So the devil left Jesus and then some angels came to Jesus and helped him. Now, oh my goodness, I just have to find my note. Oh, there we go. Okay, that's always the sketchy part for me is switching over to my notes. So when I have something crawling around in my brain, like niggling in my thoughts and coming up over and over again, I find it intriguing when the passages from the lectionary line up with this same theme. And that's the case in point for this morning. Some of you will remember an incident that happened at our live gathering in June. I made a quick step on a slippery carpet and found myself laying on the floor in a lot of pain and needing to be ushered out of the gathering on an ambulance stretcher. If you were there, I'm really sorry for the trauma of that. I have a habit of considering immediate circumstances in the light of God. I'm definitely not interested in blaming God for circumstances, but I enjoy looking through circumstances in the light of how this might be a bigger picture of things that are going on. So I've pondered this episode in my life, and I have filtered it through several different lenses. One of those lenses is my role as a co-leader in this community. And as I consider this episode that I still experience the pain of every day, I've come to understand that I am vulnerable on several fronts. So I have found the process of working on this sermon actually quite soothing and comforting. This morning's passages are actually all about leaders, and I'm not going to do anything more than refer to them briefly here because I want to focus on Matthew 4. But I want to use them in the context of leadership, like how they were called, how they qualify, different leadership styles, and how leaders may be tempted. Because the passages span over a thousand years, we get a good look and feel for the context of leaders in scripture. Initially, there is one obvious difference in the qualifications that we see in these passages to our present day. So these leaders were all male. And at least in our present and immediate context, we here at the bridge have expanded on that front. But through scripture, we see An evolution of leadership. We begin with a familial structure where Abraham is the father and the leader of this large clan. We come to Moses, who is a reluctant leader who finds himself leading an entire nation out of slavery and into a 40 year spin cycle in the desert. Once Israel was settled, they were ruled by judges and prophets. And then after begging for something more authoritative, they had kings. And finally, they had their Messiah. I want to point something out, just so that we're all on the same page. None of these leaders was perfect. And even in Jesus's case, perfection did not mean invulnerable. Did I say that? Hear me out, all the leaders except Jesus definitely had their shortcomings and their shortcomings and vulnerabilities are recorded so that we take note. I want to tune in more specifically to the passage in Matthew 4 where Jesus is in the desert and undergoing his temptations. We get a look at the real and honest challenges that come with any level of power. When he's tempted to make a stone into bread to feed himself, the real test is whether he will put his own needs before others. When he's tempted to call on God's angels to rescue him from a fall, the real temptation is about whether he will take God at his word and trust God or manipulate God to keep power. The third temptation is Jesus considering whether to worship or pledge allegiance to something or someone else in order to gain power. And even though the story is told with Satan not being subtle in the least, the challenges for a leader, but honestly anyone, can be both overt and subtle. The real challenge, the real temptation that Satan is putting before Jesus is for him to lean on his divinity instead of staying within the limitations of his humanness satan is exposing jesus's human hunger and fear of death and the human desire for power i think if jesus was in our time like in our culture right now we would have questioned some of his decisions I imagine that some who followed Jesus or at least like observed his leadership style saw him making mistakes. For those who felt that who you associate will definitely reflect on you, they may have seen Jesus as vulnerable and lesser when he's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners of all kinds. They may have seen him as vulnerable when he wasn't keeping the law. Or rather, keeping man made laws that helped to sort those who were in from those who were out. They may have seen Jesus as vulnerable when he touched the untouchable without thought or consideration for himself. If we follow Jesus on this path, the very first thing we are going to see is that he takes cues from others. At 12 years old, he's in the synagogue with the priests, both learning and teaching and understanding that others may have knowledge or understanding of things that he doesn't yet have. That's interesting if you believe that God is omniscient because Jesus, as both God and man, clearly set aside some of the perks of being God. He took cues from his mom as we all should, recognizing her authority at the wedding in Cana and went along with her request to turn water into wine. Being a leader doesn't mean you know it all, have it all together, or don't need others. If we take these three temptations and dig into Jesus's ministry a bit, we can see some overlap that seemed quite relevant as I read. So the first temptation, Jesus is tempted by Satan to feed himself. Just turn these stones into bread so you can eat. Jesus is 40 days into a fast. Seriously, this would be tempting. But he doesn't do it. And we see later in his ministry how he turns this temptation and the others on their heads. So in Matthew 14, we see Jesus well into his ministry And he has a following and it's picking up steam. And he finds himself one day, along with his disciples, in a crowd of more than 5,000 people. And the day has gone on long enough that folks are getting hungry. The disciples suggest to Jesus that he send everyone away to fend for themselves. Instead, Jesus uses what is at hand, not much more than a stone, Not to feed himself, but rather to feed those who are in their midst. He does the miracle from the temptation, but not for himself, rather for others. I'm going to jump to the third temptation where Satan takes Jesus to a high mountain so he can see all the dominions of the world that he could rule. There's just one hitch. Jesus has to bow down and plead allegiance to Satan in order to rise up to rule this kingdom. Let's see how this plays out during Jesus's ministry. In Luke 22, they leave the table of the Last Supper. And Jesus leads them to the Mount of Olives and into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is in distress. He asks the disciples to pray for him lest he fall into temptation. Those are his words. What's the temptation? Well, in a short while, a crowd shows up with some very familiar faces in it. And they are there with weapons because they're going to overpower Jesus and his disciples in order to arrest Jesus. And Peter jumps in to show everyone that he's up for the fight, except that's not what Jesus is going to bow to. He isn't going to posture for control or bow to violence in order to keep some hold on power. He's going to lay down entitlement to a throne by giving up and willingly submitting to arrest. Jesus understood the assignment. The temptation was about how the assignment would be completed. Let's switch back to the second temptation. Jesus is put on the pinnacle of the temple and he's encouraged by Satan to jump off and force God's hand into protecting him. What I see here is Satan seeing if Jesus really trusts his father. When we see Jesus lifted up on the cross, the pinnacle, I think we're seeing this temptation turned on its head. Instead of Jesus demanding to be rescued, he submits to the path that will lower him into Hades and ultimately delivers humankind from death. The temptation is to test God the Father by avoiding death, but Jesus stares death down, willingly trusting, willingly submitting to the plan. Jesus' last act is to commit his spirit into the Father's hands. No demands, just an acceptance and an understanding of God's grace and mercy. So how does the story of Jesus being tempted in the desert affect us? What is it if we are meant to... what is it we're meant to see and understand from that particular event? And then also how it played out during his time on earth. I think we find some clues on that in Hebrews chapter two and four. So I'll read from Hebrews two seventeen and 18. This is a NIV for this reason. He had to be made, made like them, like us fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted and then hebrews 4:15 and 16 We do not have a God who doesn't understand how challenging it can be to be human. Our God empathizes with our weaknesses, with our failures, with our falls, and he meets our limitations and vulnerabilities with grace and with mercy. That's why this story of Jesus being tempted is so very important to our relationship with God. It's not so much that he conquered the temptations as it is that he experienced them. It's why we can draw comfort from Emmanuel, God with us and in us, because we know that they know how it feels. We're not under scrutiny or harsh judgment. But are enveloped in this grace and mercy. And we are free to boldly approach the throne of God and receive that grace and mercy. That's why Jesus as our Messiah is entirely different to the saga of leaders we read about in scripture and certainly experience in our world today. Jesus was vulnerable in every way. Vulnerable in that he was tempted to put himself first, but also vulnerable in sharing his angst and desire to be surrounded by his friends at a difficult time. And that's our takeaway. That's how each of us, in whatever capacity of leadership we hold, whether it's being a parent, Being an older sibling, a position at work, being a lunch monitor, whatever it is, we each have some form of leadership or influence that will tempt us to be something less than gracious and merciful. The challenge is to follow Jesus's example. Of setting aside outcomes and posturing for power, in order to make plenty of room for expressions of grace and mercy. Lord, please let it be so. Amen. So we're, we'll we'll um, we'll wrap things up. I'm gonna do a benediction in a minute. I've got a couple of um, announcements. One is next Sunday is a selfie Sunday because it's a long weekend. And um, and so there's no Zoom, there's no live, but the next Sunday, August 13th is a live gathering and we will have Zoom as well. And uh, we will also have my favorite sidekick, Bradley. Sarah, you're next after him, just to be clear. Okay, I didn't want to like leave you hanging there. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm going um, to go second. <laughs> and, um, Third
0: or fourth
1: is fine too.
2: <laughs> God of divine love, give us confidence to boldly come to your throne for the grace and mercy we so desperately need. We ask that when we are tempted to move in any way that is less than gracious and merciful, that you would come near to us and give us courage to be like you. Amen. I hope you guys have a great week and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks.